Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. Tonight we're going to be jumping into Matthew chapter 10. As I've mentioned, we're going to study Matthew chapter 10. So hopefully you've got your Bibles open, your Bible apps. Hopefully you've got your physical Bible. You know how I feel, guys, you know. One day there's going to be a big EMT bomb that goes off or something, and you won't be able to find your Bible on your phone. I don't know about that. I'm just, you know, bear with me. But my point is, is we should know where to find things in the physical text. There's nothing like the sound of these pages. That's life. That's, uh, that's life-giving knowledge. Every time you read a page and you turn the page, know uh, where things are in your Bible. And a great way to figure that out is to simply, you know, as we study, uh, look them up. At least if I, if, you, if I move too fast, sometimes I get a hard time about moving too fast through scriptures because I'm, you know, I've got a high tempo. But, uh, you know, at least find the book, find it later, mark it so you know where certain things are in your word because ultimately this is our sword. As honestly, we're going to find out tonight. This is our sword, so let's know it and know it well. This chapter in Matthew 10 is all about the sending of the disciples by Jesus into the land of Israel. So I'm titling this sermon tonight because I believe it's relevant to us. Can I see that graphic? Times that try men's souls, part two. We started this last week, so this is a Wednesday night sermon series as of now, because we've got two of them. I wasn't planning on that, but now we've got two of them. So, Times that Try Men's Souls, part two, Matthew chapter 10, note takers. There you have it. Okay. In this chapter, in this chapter, I believe we will find a number of applicable lessons for the times that we find ourselves living in. I truly do with all my heart. So, let me do a little setup. First, uh, it must have been shortly after Passover in this passage. Jesus is getting together with his disciples. It must have been right after Passover because they returned at Passover time. Okay, so maybe I said that wrong. Shortly before Passover time, because shortly before Passover time, because they had returned at Passover time, just before the feeding of the five thousand. If you're familiar with that text. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1 through 17, John chapter 6, verse 4, the feeding of the 5,000. So we find this gap. This is where we're falling today. I love context. You know, I love context, right? You love context, don't you? So shortly before Passover, they uh, uh, were being sent out, and then they're going to return before Passover, and then the 5,000 are fed, that sort of thing. So we must realize, though, Okay, and this is imperative for our whole study tonight, okay, is that this is a different sending, okay? You can get confused if you read in the scriptures and you think, okay, well, Jesus sends, there's a commission, there's the great commission, and then you read this, and if you think this is that commission, you're going to be confused, okay? We must first realize that this is a different sending, a different commission uh, uh, than than the one that we personally have been charged with, okay? And we'll clear that up later. We'll clear that up towards the end of the study tonight. But for now, keep that in mind. Please keep that in mind, okay? This was a specific, a specific mission given to the disciples. And by the disciples, I mean the 12, the disciples, okay? In whom Jesus would give power for this mission, a power that they wielded at will, okay? So this is very, very important because if you take this teaching I'm about to give you guys out of context and many false teachers of bad doctrine have done that over the years. If you take it out of context, it will be, as I said, confusing, okay? Uh, This is a specific mission given to these 12, okay? Now, keep in mind as he empowers them, we have also been given power, haven't we? Amen? We're a church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? I'm waiting. 
Amen. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the gifts of prophecy. We believe in uh, the gift of healing. We believe in all that, don't we? Hey guys, I got a treat for you. I've got my little comments thing here today. So I can see who's with us. I can talk to y'all. Um, hey, Richard Romero. Good to see you guys. Laura, good to see you, Laura. Glad to see you guys. So I'll try, I'll try my best to look over here every once in a while to, to converse with you guys. All right. That should be fun. I'm looking forward to it if I remember anyway. Uh, but we've been given power. We believe that. We've been given spiritual gifts through the, the epistles, 22 at least, different gifts from everything from accounting to speaking in tongues to administration to teaching to whatever, right? So we've been given power too, but it's a different arrangement that we have now in regards to healing and such, isn't it? Let's just be honest. Of course it is. Our position now is tied to his sovereignty. I can pray and pray for people I love to be healed. I prayed like I'd never prayed before for my dad to be healed. And it didn't happen because it wasn't his will. So our, our spiritual giftings right now are tied more to his sovereignty, whereas the, the, the disciples in the passages that we're going to study tonight, okay, uh, the disciples, they could heal at will, all right? They wielded it at will, all right? So our position is tied to sovereignty, whereas they healed... They never heard God say, in other words, they never heard God say, not now, or I have a bigger plan in this, or that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? All right, so the point of this empowering, specifically in the text, the point of this empowering was to declare the fulfillment of prophecy and to serve as evidence to the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen, because that's what it's for. So understand that as we move forward. Let's read Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, and we'll just go from there. Amen? You ready? All right. And when he had called his 12 disciples, this is interesting here, because a disciple is a follower given certain tasks, okay? We need to understand that. So he called his 12 disciples, followers, that he gives certain tasks to him. He gave them power over unclean spirits, underline that, to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Underline that if you're an underliner. Verse 2, now the names of the 12 apostles, Apostles, now this is interesting here, and I underline that and what I'm showing you right now for a reason. Didn't he just call them disciples a second ago? Of course he did. So now he's one sentence later calling them apostles. What's the difference between a disciple and an apostle? Well, a disciple, I mentioned that, is a follower given certain tasks. A disciple is now ready to be sent out. They're empowered. So he's empowered them. They are now ready to operate in the ministry fully. Uh, you know, the side note here, rabbit trail, I'll try not to get off on, but a lot of times I think people that have desires to operate in ministry, desires to operate in leadership in ministry. First, they come in and as disciples, but they want to get ahead of God. And rather than be a disciple, as long as they need to disciple, they try to jump into the role of apostle. And I'm just, you can't get ahead of God, guys. And a lot of people go from church to church to church to church. Who will give me the opportunity to operate in my gifting? Well, it's not time yet. I mean, if you've been, truly been led by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit to a church, okay, to be there, you're supposed to be there. Okay, and the Lord will open the opportunities for you to step into your authority and and the the anointing and everything else whenever that comes. The difference between disciples and apostles here, and you're going to see why that happens. Why it is tied tied to the previous verse we just read. He gave them power. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease, all right? Now, the names of the apostles, apostles, disciples, apostles, let's keep reading, are these, verse 2. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Verse 3, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, or Levi, right? James, the son of Alphaeus and Lebius, 
whose surname was Thaddeus. Verse 4, Simon the Canaanite and Jesus, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, we could spend a lot of time here jumping into tearing apart these names and the meanings of all that. We're not, we're not going to do that tonight, all right? Basically, what we're about to jump into, verse 5 on, is what is the meat is the meat that I'm looking for tonight, okay? Can I see this next graphic? Can I see that? So over the next rest of the chapter, we're going to see from verse 1 through 15, or rather 5 through 15 in particular, instructions that come from Jesus himself for these apostles, specifically the apostles in the past, okay? From verse 16 through 23, we're going to see a there's a turn that happens in the scripture. Now, remember, we talk about this all the time. There's the scripture that you take at face value, reading at face value. It says what it means. It means what it says. And then there's the remez, which is the underlying meaning that speaks forward into the future for more than just that one specific instance. All right. So we're going to see some of that tonight as we read. The apostles of the future tribulation period. So the apostles of the future... Might have, might have sure to put a slash in there, but certainly tribulation period from 16 through 23. And then we're going to see uh, instructions for, that are relevant for us today, God's servants today from 24 through 43. So hold this on the screen for a moment, if you could, Andrew, because if you're watching tonight with us and you're really studying the word, I want you to write this down or to take a screenshot because we're going to come back to this several times for the night, at least three different times, all right? So five, four, three, two, one, and let's take a look at the first one. Why is this relevant to the apostles in the past, verse one through five, verse, excuse me, verse one through 15? Well, apostles in the past, let's just read. Jesus sends out the 12. Let's start at verse five. These 12 Jesus sent out. And he commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. Verse 6. Let's keep reading. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is good. This is good. This is a different commission. We need to understand that right off the bat. What do we get out of this immediately? This is a different commission. The focus here is on Israel. We need to know that. The focus is Israel. The first 12 chapters of Matthew are very much, very much focused on the proclaiming of the kingdom to the Jews. And we're in chapter 10. Right? So things will change when we get to chapter 12 if we do. Verse 7, let's keep reading. Verse 7, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. <laughs> they are to highlight, church, in other words, they are to highlight the fulfillment of prophecy. Highlight that fact. And then verse 8, let's keep reading. Come on now. Verse 8, heal the sick, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Verse 9, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts. I, mean, I hate to just breeze over chapter 8. I mean, this is a high commission here, right? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's some heavy lifting, guys. That's the kind of heavy lifting that you need the power of the Holy Spirit with you, the kind of power that he just gave them to do, all right? Don't go into any of those kind of situations without praying up with your brothers and sisters in arms, amen? All right, so, uh, so as they go, freely, he says, freely you have received, so freely give. Verse 9, Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor copper in your bunny belts. Hmm. Interesting. Again, this points out that this is a specific sending. And I, I want to really drive that point home because this is something that, especially in legalistic churches, has been taken out of context and very much abused. Saying, suggesting that we should 
as everything that they're doing right here, and again, as I mentioned earlier, it's captured again in Mark, uh, what did I say, Mark, Mark chapter 6? Yeah, Mark chapter 6, uh, 7 through 13. This is a specific sending, all right? So you're not a failure if you're not able to heal somebody upon your first touch and upon your first prayer. That doesn't mean that you don't have enough faith, all right? This is, uh, that's why I want to make this point, because so much harm, so much harm has come uh, from this scripture being taken out of context. But if we understand it in context, it's liberating and powerful for us, especially living in this day and age, in this generation. So, where were we? Verse 9. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It, this, let me say this. It's interesting because he says, take no, no money, right, here in verse 8. But later in Luke 22, verse 35, he'll say, uh, take money. So, Again, there's a break in that. So here, don't take money. Later, Luke 22, take money. You can tell this is a different sending, guys, all right? Hopefully I've driven that home enough. Verse 10, let's read. Nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. In other words, guys, in other words, church, come on now. They would have to be completely reliant upon God, completely uh, uh, reliant on Him. Uh, To go go before them, they would need God to go before them to literally open doors, like real doors. Like, where are we going to sleep tonight? Go before us, open those doors for us, those opportunities, not only for the gospel, but that I might have a place to lay my head tonight, okay? And and think of the leaders of the groups. I'm looking out for this guy who's with me too, right? So we're, we are going to need the Lord to go before us to open up doors. We're going to need the Lord to go before us and open up pantries to feed us. Have you ever found yourself in that position? I'll wait. I'm, who do I have here with me? I'm gonna, somebody answer me. Have you ever been in the position where you were waiting for God to open up doors? Travis, is that you? Andy, is that you? You ever been in that position? Come on now. Now, how about this? How about this? Have you ever put yourself in the position, in that position where you're completely reliant on God because he asked you to take a step of faith. It's one thing to just find yourself in a position where, oh my gosh, you know, I just need God to open a door. I just need God to help me with my food or my shelter or whatever. And it's one thing, it's one thing to be in that position because you've dug yourself a hole, because you have abandoned reason and wisdom or been foolish, right? Trust me, been there, right? So, uh, it's one thing to be there, but it's another thing to be in that position because God has asked you to take a step of faith. Okay, I ask that question because there is a difference. When God is asking you to take a step of faith, I'm talking to somebody here, take it, take it, but you better be sure that it's God. Okay? There's a lot of movements out there, Christian religious movements that want to just shut, shut up the word of God and wait for a spirit, the spirit to talk to them, to give them wisdom. There's a difference. It's, there will be lying spirits that come, okay, especially in this age in which we live. It's the difference between a lying spirit and the Holy Spirit. How can you tell the difference? This word of God right here, okay? The wisdom in it gives you the knowledge and the difference and, and, you know, unity with the Lord. So, but let me say this. If it truly is the Holy Spirit asking you to take a step of faith, take it. I'm telling you. Uh, Many of you have heard our stories time and time again, over and over again. I don't want to spend too much time jumping into all that, but you guys know that we had to take a step of faith starting this church because the money wasn't there. We had to take a step moving from uh, the little room at the community center to the Bellevue Middle School. That was a huge step of faith financially. 
God met us there as well. We had to take a step of faith in this COVID shutdown to what are we going to do? The Lord provided the railroad, and now he's provided the rollage. I mean, you, this God is with this church life story. You should feel, feel confident and happy in that because there's one thing I know for a fact in my life is that God is with you, Life Story Church. Um, but if you're in your personal life or looking at taking a step of faith, make sure that it's the Lord. If he's calling you to take a step of faith, make sure that it's him. And if it's him, then that's where he meets you. When we have to take a step out and just in faith, that's when amazing things happen. When you know it's him, you trust him. If you know it's him because you've prayed, you've studied, you've prayed some more, then you've prayed some more, you've even fasted and prayed some more, you take a step of faith out, that's where a platform appears where there was no platform, and he can do a lot with that. So let's keep reading them. I don't want to sidebar on that too long. Verse 11, let's keep reading. Now, whatever city, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. In other words, don't go from house to house. Don't, uh, don't just meander around. Hey, can I stay with you? Can I stay with you? Don't couch surf, right? In other words, find a worthy, trusted place. That's what we called it when I was in my early 20s, couch surfing, if you didn't have a place yet, right? So, or if you're in between places. Don't couch surf. Find a worthy and trusted brother or person to put you up, okay? Verse 12, let's keep going. And when you go into a household, greet it. Greet it. Verse 13, if the household is worthy, let your peace come upon them. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. What does this mean? Well, it was traditional for them to say shalom. We say shalom often. Shalom. What do we, we know what shalom means in the Hebrew. It means rest. Right? It means rest, but it also means completeness. It means wholeness. It means so much more than just peace, bro. Right? So it's like a blessing for the household. It's a blessing for the household. So when you go into a home, traditionally, if you're staying in a home, you speak a blessing over that home. Now, if you're not welcome, or Jesus is not welcome, or the gospel is not welcome, then he says, if, you, if, I'm, if I'm not welcome there, you're not welcome there then don't waste your breath on speaking the blessing. Verse 14, let's keep reading. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house, shake off the dust from your feet. And this is really interesting, not only because I think it touches a place in us emotionally, because as Christians, I think a lot of us have had an experience that touches that place emotionally in us when we read this verse. But traditionally, when traveling Jews would return, if they were traveling out of the nation of Israel, when they would return, uh, traditionally, they, before they crossed the border back into Israel from the pagan nations, other nations, they would knock their feet to knock the dust. I'm going to do it right now. They're going to knock the dust of the pagan nation off of their feet before returning and stepping into Israel. So it's pretty interesting because in, by doing this, it was symbolic. Uh, there's so much into understanding the Hebrew or Jewish culture than versus just reading the scriptures at face value. So by doing this, it was a symbolic of marking that home as pagan having rejected the gospel. Paul and Barnabas actually would do this again at Antioch of Pisidia. They would do it again later in Acts. So, but there are certainly times, aren't there, church? Certainly times where we have experienced this ourselves and felt this emotionally. Man, sometimes, sometimes you've just got to shake the dust off of your feet and walk on. Amen? Shake the dust off your feet and walk on. Some people don't want to hear the truth. We've talked about this in conversation among our fellowship in the last few weeks. I know I have with a few other people. Sometimes people just don't want to hear the truth and they despise anybody who speaks it. And I mean anybody, and we'll really dig into this, who is anybody here in a second. Let's read on. Verse 15, assuredly, assuredly, I say to you, Jesus says, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah 
in the day of judgment then for that city that you have to dust your feet off because they rejected you. They rejected the message of the truth, the Messiah. Whew. All right, so that's 1 through 15. Remember, we're, we're gauging these here. There's a message for the church that was. Can I see that graphic again, that next graphic, Eva? Let's see that. Thank you. Instructions for apostles in the past, specifically for them, 1 through 5. We're going to move now into the next part, 16 through 23. Instructions for the apostles of the future. Instructions for the apostles of the tribulation period. Uh, good to note here that persecutions are coming. Jesus makes that clear in the following verses. Persecutions are coming, and there are five points. Five. One, two, three, four, five. All right, note takers. Note takers love points. I'm a note taker. I was always a note picker. So, taker, uh, taker. So I would love when uh, Pastor Clay or whoever else would have a no, like points, and I could make it point and I'd mark my notes under the point. So here's, we're going to have five points just in the next few verses, all right? So I hope you're ready. Persecutions are coming. Let's read verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. There's a beautiful study that we can do and have done on sheep before. I'm not going to focus on that tonight for time's sake. I'm going to focus on the wolves. I'm going to focus on the wolves here briefly because wolves stalk. Wolves stalk and they destroy sheep. Is that relevant today? They stalk, they destroy sheep. Persecutors, let me say this, persecutors will attempt to hunt and destroy Jesus' disciples. They will indeed. They will indeed. They will seek to uh, hunt and destroy God's people. What do you think happened with the, the, the Nazis in, in Germany and the Jewish people? The Jewish people have been hunted since the beginning, from the Philistines to the Germans, modern-day Iran. Now you've got New York City Police Department people. I don't know if you've seen this, guys, but if you haven't, look it up. Take my word for it. No, no, no. I'm, let me rephrase that. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. Police in New York City right now are looking with binoculars into apartment buildings in New York City to see if the Jews have too many people gathered than are allowed by the COVID-19 restrictions. What country are we living in right now, church? Come, come, patriots. Rise to the occasion, please. Wolves stalk and destroy sheep. It's what they do. And what are sheep? They hear the Lord's voice. Those who hear the Lord's voice. And guess what? God still has a big plan for Israel in the end. After the rapture occurs, the rapture of the church, God's, guess what? His heart is still for Israel and the Jewish people. And he has a plan, a perfect plan for them. And every knee will bow and every, every mouth will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Somebody say amen. It's coming. It's going to happen. Probably sooner than we think. Wolves come to stalk and destroy sheep. Persecutors will attempt to hunt and destroy Jesus' disciples. Many of you have experienced that already, I know. Therefore, verse 16, let's go back to 16. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This is excellent. And this is where we're going to pick up our points tonight. Can I see point number one? Point number one. Be wise as serpents. Why would Jesus say such a thing? Aren't serpents gross and nasty and slimy? Don't they crawl along the earth as they are cursed? to crawl along on their bellies, right? Well, the ancients believed that the symbol of the snake represented cunning, all right? Often when we think of cunning, when we think of cunning, we think of it in a negative light, don't we? Uh, manipulative people, they're cunning, aren't they? They're always cunning. And, and we don't want to be like that. We don't want to manipulate, be cunning like that and everything else, right? But cunning... It, we can just, let's go look to the, the true, the meaning of the word cunning. I've got that for you guys. Let's take a look at that. What does it mean to be cunning? It means simply this. 
to have dexterity with the skill and knowledge that one possesses. Come on! <laughs> be as wise as a serpent. What is a serpent? He's cunning. What is, to be, what is it to be cunning to have dexterity with the skill and knowledge that one possesses? Should we not be that? Come on, church. Come back to me now. Be wise. Be wise. Hmm. Also, serpents are shrewd because they flee from danger. Don't let that be lost on you either, okay? Uh, man, I heard uh, some of the uh, uh, people leaving the rally last week were being led down to where Antifa was gathered. Ooh, if you're going to any kind of gathering like that, guys, I'm just telling you, be aware of your surroundings. Be wise, right? Be Quick to flee, okay? Be wise. What was the second part of that, though? Be harmless as doves. Can I see that second point? Be harmless as doves. Why? Why a dove? This is good. I think you'll like this. The dove is a symbol of innocence. It's a symbol of purity. Uh, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Innocence, purity, Holy Spirit. The famous image of the dove carrying the olive branch in his mouth comes to mind, right? Noah sent off the dove. So, in peace, right? It means peace. The olive branch dove with the... Right? You with me? It's interesting, though, uh, that the doves... One of the, one of the doves' natural predators... One of the doves' natural predators... Can anybody guess what it is? Snake. A rat snake at that. It's bad enough to be a snake. It's, rats are bad. Snakes are bad. You're a rat snake, right? Come on. It's bad enough. So you're a rat snake, and that's the natural predator, one of the natural predators of a dove. Interesting. Another interesting fact, though, and I think you'll like this, another interesting fact about doves is that due to the narrow shape of their head, they are only able to focus on one object at a time. So a dove, get this, I think you know what I'm about to say. So a dove always, always has a singular focus. A singular focus. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Verse 17, but beware of men, Jesus says. Beware of men. Why is to say so, isn't he? Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Whew. What can we pull out of that right away? For point three. Point three. It's this. Let's see that graphic. Point three. Expect hardships. This is going to really be a knife in the heart of all you Joel Osteen loyalists, I know. But you should in this life... If you follow Jesus, expect hardships. The reference, the reference of the synagogues, by the way. Hope you have your coffee. The reference of the synagogues is evidence that their greatest persecutors were their own people. From among them, their own people. Not the occupying Romans, no. Not the Romans, but their own people. Likewise, I would say, church, we should expect heartbreak. And I don't say this lightly because I've experienced it a number of times, as has my wife, I know. Heartbreak, we should expect it to come most frequently from those close to us. Those close to us. And yes, even within the church. Expect persecution to come from your community. Expect it to come from your realm of influence in general. Uh, if you're, well, let me say this. If you're in a church, not Life Story Church, obviously, but if you're in a church that is off in its doctrine, buckle up. Let me just say this. If you, wanna, if you have a mind to bring correction, buckle up if you try to bring correction because that can be a bumpy ride. Though it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, and it won't necessarily be, so I don't want to discourage you from doing it, but buckle up, okay? Expect hardships. Expect hardships. Let's keep reading. Verse 18. So we're through three. So it's a rich text tonight, isn't it? Let's keep reading. Verse 18. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake. 
as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Verse 19. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. Hmm. That's encouraging. That's our fourth point. Let's see it. Fourth point. Trust. Don't worry. Trust God's unfailing care. Trust his unfailing care. Your love never fails, never gives up. Sorry, sorry, I won't do that. I won't do that without the guitar. What, what, what? Come on, Eva. She's having a good time with me here, okay? Trust in God's unfailing care. This is, remin- this is reminiscent, isn't it? It's reminiscent uh, of the complete reliance upon God uh, that they would uh, have to have in regards to the money. Don't bring money, he said, right? Don't bring uh, food. Don't bring shelter. All of this mentioned earlier. Is this not reminiscent? Don't worry about what you even need to say. He's saying, don't worry about your physical needs. Don't even worry about what you're going to speak when the time comes. The Holy Spirit, I will speak through you and for you. Come on now. Verse 19. Go back to verse 19 or forward to verse 19. Do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks. Oh, Yahweh. The Spirit of Yahweh speaks through you. This is not... Now, let me say this. (laughs) If if we've got any up-and-coming pastors that are tuning in tonight, this is not an excuse not to prepare a sermon, okay? Frighteningly, I've been seeing a trend uh, in the last few years of pastors that just want to get up and say, I'm just going to, what's the Holy Spirit saying to me? I'm just going to wait and I'm going to listen. Of course, they already have a general idea of what they're going to say, but they won't tell you that. They're just waiting for the Spirit to speak to them. And then whatever happens, happens. Bill Johnson and Bethel Church in Redding, California is the biggest offender of that, in my opinion. Um, and that is my opinion, okay? That's just my personal opinion that I feel obligated to share. Uh, that's not to denigrate, just wolves, wolves. All right, verse 21, let's keep reading. Now brother will deliver up, <laughs> bro- now brother will deliver up brother to death. And if father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Whoa. I mean, wow. Uh, Weren't we just talking about expecting persecution to hit close to home? Weren't we? This is what I, I was talking about on Sunday. If you were with us online or at the Rutledge West uh uh, this past Sunday uh, in Pegram. This is what I was talking about when I mentioned Matthew chapter 10 on Sunday. It feels like this sentiment, it feels like this sentiment is a reality for many believers right now. That's what I'm getting anyway, right now. Though the putting to death part hasn't manifested yet, uh, I mean, y- yet. For the most part, I will say though that it isn't it isn't as big of a leap from where we are today to that. Okay, it's not as big of a leap from where we are today to that. It's not as big of a leap as you think it is. Have you seen some of these videos? Have you seen some of these videos online of teenage kids? Um, they're just going off on their you know, making a video on whatever the social media platform is, and they're just, they're, they're, uh, they're talking about how they hate their parents for supporting President Trump, and they're just incensed. I mean, talk about seeing the, infa- the effects of indoctrination. Talk about, go look up some of those videos on YouTube if you haven't seen them yet, and you'll probably be homeschooling by the end of the week. Um, just saying. Let's keep reading. Verse 22. And you will be hated. Good news, everybody. Good news. Are you with me? Let's wake up. We, are, we, are we here? 
Come on now. These are times that try men's souls, and you will be hated for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. I know it's hard. I know it's easy to grow weary. The sin still infests and infects our flesh. And at the end of the day, every single one of us, me included, are selfish. If left to our own devices. But endure. Endure. He who endures to the end will be saved. And that brings point five. Point five. Let's see that. Keep your eyes fixed. Fixed on what? Can we see that graphic? Fixed on the eternal goal. Like a dove, right? Like a dove. Stay singular in your focus. Be about your Father's work. Be about your Father's work. Your kingdom assignment. Do you know that? Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, in your name, I pray. Father, let your people realize and acknowledge, embrace, and lay hold of the kingdom assignment that you have given them in your word. Let them read it, let them see it, acknowledge it, and lay hold of it, and draw that sword in the name of Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on the eternal goal. Stay, sing goal. Stay singular in your focus. Be about your Father's work, your kingdom assignments. Remember why you're doing this. Okay? If you're a Christian and you've been walking this walk for a while and really walking it and you're growing weary of it, remember why you're doing it in the first place. Why is it important to speak truth? Why is it important to endure persecution well? It is important to do both of those things. Why is it important? Keep your eyes on the prize, church. Verse 23. When they persecuted you in this city, when they persecuted you in this city, or in, yeah, when they persecute you, because it's bound to happen, right? In this city, flee to another. That's just wisdom, isn't it? Didn't we say be wise? Be wise as serpents. What do snakes do? They run, right? Be wise. Come on now. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. That can be a confusing text for some people. It doesn't need to be. This it likely just means, many, many scholars agree, this likely just means that the disciples will not complete their mission to the Jewish people before the second coming of Christ. And when is the second coming of Christ? It's at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. That seven-year period is Jewish central focus. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. We're not even there, a part of it. The bride of Christ, the Gentile church, the and believing Jews as well. So let's move on to our, our third uh, outline point of, can we go back to that next graphic? God's servants today. Verse 24 through 42 focuses on this. The next graphic should be in there. What's the focus of these messages? God's servants today. Do we have that? No? Can you go back and find that, Eva, perhaps? The instructions. It'll say instructions. Instructions for, in other words, God's servants today. Verse 24 through 48. There it is. Thank you, my love. Let's read not to jump on you after you just found that, but 24. Let's get back to verse 24. Verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Verse 25. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, or Satan, right? How much more will they call those of his household? In other words, come on, church. They hate me. <laughs> Guys, you got to know. They hate me. God, sometimes I feel like that, and I just want to tell my church people, like, 
you gotta be like, I, I'm hate. I'm a hated person by a lot of people. In this community, a disciple is not above his teacher. So they hate me. Jesus said, so they slander me, falsely accuse me. That's why I stand up. I think I said it last Sunday. I was like, I need you guys. I need you guys. Come on. Hate, they'll hate me. They slander me. They falsely accuse me. Why would they not do it to you? And I'm just telling you, Life Story Church, fellow brothers, sisters in Christ, they're, it's, they're coming to you. All right? If it's not already, and I know a lot of you guys, it already is. Why wouldn't they do it to you? To the point that if they aren't, that's going to be a sign to you. If they're not doing it, if they're not hating you, if they're not slandering you, if they're not falsely accusing you, that should be a sign to you that you aren't active enough. Hear my heart on this. You're not active enough in speaking the truth if you're not getting blowback right now. Where are you getting, do this application point, self-evaluation, where are you getting blowback in your life from sharing the truth? If it's nowhere, you might, have, it's a couple of things. You're either not speaking it or sharing it or your echo chamber is too secure. Okay. And you need to get out of that bubble a little bit. Surely there's people that you love and care about that exist and live outside of that bubble. They need to hear it. Right. All right. Verse 26. Therefore, therefore, do not fear them. Okay. Do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> amen. Eva's, Eva's cheering. Andrew's clapping. Yes. We're all in agreement here tonight. Golf claps. Can we get a golf clap sound effect? Maybe we'll work on that for next week. All right. Lord Jesus, bring... <laughs> Bring the deeds done in darkness to light. Oh, that, that, let that be our prayer now more than ever. Let it come, Lord Jesus. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and nothing hidden that will not be known. Amen? Amen. Verse 27. Whatever I tell you in the dark, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Did you notice how quiet I said that? <laughs> Let's read it again. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Why, the, why am I whispering? Because are you up for this church? <laughs> If you're up for this, I want you to shout it from the rooftops. Come on now. Shout it from the rooftops. What you hear in the ear, shout it from the rooftops. What you hear from the Lord in the darkness, what you discover in the darkness, bring it to light, church. Come now. Come on now. Shout it out. Shout it out. Verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body. Don't fear. I want to say this to those two, God bless their souls, those two uh, uh, election workers in Wayne County, Michigan. I don't know their names, but I tell you what, those people that were harassed and doxxed and they had, wouldn't vote to certify the election and on principle, on principle, more people voted than people were registered to vote, so they wouldn't certify the election. But they were doxxed and harassed and threatened and they caved. Oh, I'm praying for you guys. I can't imagine what that would have been like. But you know what? This is what the Word of God says in that situation. Verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body. Let's read it. Do not fear. You want, you want me? Come and get me. You'll have to deal with my uh, arsenal, though. I'll tell you that much. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy the soul and the body in hell. And this is a cool point. This word here in the Greek is the word Gehenna. Gehenna. We talk about the valley of Gehenna in Israel before. But Gehenna, this is, it's interesting that this word is used here because it's not Sheol or Hades. Uh, Sheol or Hades in the uh, Old Testament 
in in the period it was basically a a holding of disembodied spirits, a holding place of fallen angels until the end or until they're released in the tribulation period. Halfway through, the gate is opened and demons and their leader and everything else are released from Sheol. And that's this place. So he's not talking about Sheol or Hades, the place of disembodied spirits and fallen angels, and this is a really cool study on hell sometime. It's a real place. It's very real. Don't let the, don't let the modern-day Gnostic false teachers tell you there's no hell, all right? It has no basis. That teaching has no basis if you actually study text, okay, and culture, and the true teaching, all right? So anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, it's Sheol, Hades, or the, the holding place, okay? Gehenna, he's mentioning here. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell here, okay? What he's saying here, Gehenna, this is where Hades ends up. All of Hades is thrown into Gehenna which is the eternal burning lake of fire and everything consumes it, everything and all of it. So interesting point to note. All right. So verse 29, so don't fear. Don't fear him who cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can wipe it all out. All right. So do not fear. Shout from the rooftops. Don't be afraid. Don't fear man, in other words. All right. Don't fear those that will destroy or seek to destroy your reputation. Who cares? Right. Let your, they hated Jesus. They're going to talk trash about Jesus. They're going to hate you and talk trash about you. And that's your honor. It's an honor. Amen? All right. So where are we? Verse 29, verse 29. Are not two sparrows, and this is beautiful. We're heading towards the end here. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. This is great. I love this. Every hair on your head is numbered. What does that tell you right off the bat? God, this alone, this alone tells you that God knows more about you than you know about you. Do you know how many hairs are on your head? Huh? Well, my buddy Kenny's saying he might know, right? You know, but I don't know. God knows, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> the very hairs of your head are numbered. Verse 31, do not fear, therefore. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. God sees you, church. He knows right where you are. Be comforted in that. Let's keep reading. We're out of time here. Let's keep reading. Verse 32, therefore... Whoever confesses me before man, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Verse 33, whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father. Pretty straightforward. Verse 34, good to know. Let that be, let that be in the back of your mind when you're out and about in your realm of influence about denying your birthright denying who you are you know it's like randall is our last name how would i feel if my sons were out saying are you chad randall's son no no i'm not him right don't deny proudly boldly proclaim your birthright your who you are your name all right let's keep reading <clears throat> verse 34 is that where we are verse 34 do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. This is huge, guys. Come on. Haven't we learned how true this is lately? Have we not learned how true this is lately? How many of you Bible scholars out there can tell me? Come on, tell me now. I want you to tell me. Chris, you there? <laughs> Don't pull a Peter. Come on now. How many Bible scholars out there can tell me? what it is what is the sword that he's referring to here it's interesting it's an interesting contrast by the way to luke chapter 22 when he tells them to buy a sword right told them don't bring a, this 
don't bring anything on this trip. And then Luke 22 tells him to bring a sword, but like a real sword sword in Luke chapter 22. But anyway, interesting contrast, not the point. What is the sword? I'm just going to wait. I've got my iPad right here. Come on. What's the sword? What's the sword? It's the word. It's the word of God. It's the truth. What's the sword? It's the word of God. It's the truth. Verse 35, for I have come to set, let's see it, a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. That's not very encouraging to hear, is it? But it is so, so very true. We've been learning how true this is a lot lately, haven't we? I have. I know many of you have as well. Let me say this. Here's a, a, a Pastor Shad quote to take home. I, uh, and I just poured my heart out. I was like, I'm going to put this on the screen. Can I see this next graphic? Because it's the truth. And it's important now more than ever, I believe. Let's see it. Nothing divides more than the truth. When it's spoken to people who don't want to hear it. Do you believe that? Do you feel it? It's true. Nothing divides. Like I said, the last few weeks, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Been getting a lot of accusations and slanders that I'm being divisive and shouldn't be, or this and that as a pastor. And I'm just speaking the truth as I see it boldly because I love you. All of you. Anybody who might be watching this, I'm doing a disservice to you if I know a truth or believe something to be true and I don't speak it to you and share it that I believe it to be true boldly, openly, and honestly. The watchman, the watchman on the wall calls and cries. But if he does not call when danger comes, then the blood is on his hands and it won't be on mine. I refuse it. Won't be on mine. Nothing divides more than the truth when it's spoken to people who don't want to hear it. Does that mean that you shouldn't speak it then because they don't want to hear it and it could cause division? No. You must speak the truth. You must. You must for your own conscience, if nothing else. Uh, I mentioned on Sunday, I off the cuff quoted The Matrix on Sunday and uh, because it just rolled perfectly with our, our sermon and, and the subject matter. So we watched The Matrix on, I think it was Monday night, we watched The Matrix, and man, I, you know, there's content in there you might need to fast forward or mute or whatnot, guys, but I'm just saying, uh, there was a quote, it's so, uh, you know, a lot of these movies like Star Wars and The Matrix, they, they write it based on a messianic, platform because why because it speaks to the core of our creation so basically the most successful movies that have ever been made in the history of the world were ones that were written on a uh, messianic template because that's we our dna wants that and understands that right so obviously if you want to make some money that's a good good way to go but we watched that again and i just i just in the contrast of saying nothing divides more than the truth when it's spoken to people who don't want to hear it, I heard this quote that Morpheus said to Neo. I gave you one last Sunday. Let me give you this one. He said this. He said to Neo, he said, who is the messianic figure, he said, I didn't say it would be easy, Neo. I only said it would be the truth. And that's just our position. We are Morpheus. <laughs> we are Morpheus in that analogy. That's... I know I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but it's the truth. And you need to hear it. Let's keep reading verse 37. Let's wrap this up. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He's saying here that you better be serious. You better be serious about this if you're thinking of following me. Because it, 
did he not just lay out the cost? There's a cost, church. But once you truly meet him, once you truly receive the free gift that is salvation, you're not only willing to do it, but you're eager to do it. Once that, that love and that Holy Spirit sealing has sealed your heart and transformed your heart and your mind has changed, metanoia repentance, right? <sighs> Saying you better be serious. You better be serious about this if you're going to do it. Verse 39, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And that is the truth. My life is completely different than it was before I surrendered it to him. In the best way, though. In ways that are amazing that I, me before surrender would never have thought. Because it seemed... Like a, it seemed like I was losing something. Oh, if you're somebody who's on the fence, what you'll gain compared to what you give up is nothing. And by the way, what you give up, you won't even want anymore in comparison to what you have. And that's the truth of it. Let's finish this up. Verse 40. He who receives me, and he who receives me or he who receives you receives me, excuse me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Verse 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Verse 42. Here it all comes together. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of water... In the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. And that speaks of eternal inheritance, not just salvation, but the fact that there is truly a supernatural beyond our 80 years. Or it's, we're going to spend eternity somewhere in inheritance spiritually, dimensionally to come. So whoever aids in the gospel and aids a disciple in carrying this word forward, even if you just brought a cup of water, how cool is that? So how much more is the blessing for those who have truly lifted the arms and been pillars for different ministries? I commend you for doing so. So I spoke earlier to commissions. Let me give you this graphic as we wrap up here, guys, because there are two. I wanted to made this point, drove it home earlier before we started. This is a different commission that we studied. Uh, we can learn and glean so much from it, can't we? Haven't we? Haven't we? Okay. I think we have. But it's obviously not just the general commission that's given. Can I see that graphic and you'll see why? Okay. Ultimately, the difference between the two commissions, the kingdom presentation here uh, is withdrawn when Israel rejects it in chapter 12. We're studying verse 10. It hasn't happened yet. The kingdom presentation is still being given to Israel. Ultimately, they will reject it, okay, and it will be withdrawn beginning at chapter 12 through Matthew. Then the focus will shift to the Gentiles at 12 after. It'll shift to the focus will shift to the crucifixion, the resurrection, and a new commission will be given to the ecclesia, the church. When this one is completed, the church will be taken out, harpazod, raptured, out, and the first commission after rapture resumes is resumed by the 144,000 during the seven-year tribulation period that is in Revelation, but of course that is a whole other study. But those who are, who are you know, scholars, and I know there are many of you among us, this is hopefully a good tool, screenshot it for your studies. The new commission, the new commission that is different than the one that we studied today, that Jesus gave the 12 here, that is for us, the church, we find it in Matthew 28, Mark chapter 16, Luke chapter 24, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Isaiah, even in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 60. Okay, so with that, in closing, church, come on now. You with me? You ready to shout it from the rooftops? Amen? Oh, what is hidden in darkness mm, will be revealed. 
Speak light in darkness. Speak lets your command. Come on now. I as your pastor am giving you this commission tonight. Speak light in darkness because everything hidden in darkness will be known. Someone say amen. Draw your sword. Draw it out. Draw your sword. Speak truth boldly because you love. Be wise as serpents, right? Be harmless as doves. Singular in your focus. Innocent at the same time, right? Expect hardships. Expect hardships. Nobody said this would be easy. Nobody said it would be easy. If they did, they're lying to you. That's an easy way to spot a false teacher. Trust, verse 4, what do we say? Trust God's unfailing care. He sees you. He sees you and he loves you. Keep your eyes fixed on the eternal goal. Amen? Amen. All right. I hope you're blessed by our study tonight, guys. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here tonight and you want to surrender your heart and give your life to Jesus, whatever it is, rededicate your life. Who knows how the Holy Spirit's been moving on your heart? I don't, but you do. You feel it. You know it's real. Close your eyes. Stand if you want to. Kneel if you want to. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. I surrender my will to your will, God. I want to follow after you. I want your destiny in my life. I want your desires to be in my mind and my heart. Then I can have all the desires of my heart because they're what you want for me. Lord Jesus, so I ask you, ask you to give me that direction in my life. I ask you, God, I ask you, Father, to receive what I offer you, and that is all I am, my heart my love, my life, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and make me new. I believe that you love me. I believe that you see me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day. And because you live, I now live, God. I put my hope and my trust in that, my faith in that. May you secure my salvation eternally now. Now, Lord, grow me, use me, mature me. Grow my knowledge in the word and my knowledge of who you are, Lord. Walk with me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he pour favor out on your life. May you grow in your knowledge of his word. May you hear the Spirit more clearly, the Holy Spirit clearly. May you recognize when it is not him in the name of Jesus. May you grow and mature in your faith, in your knowledge of the word by the day. And may you prosper in all you do, in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. We love you guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Rutledge West in Pegram, Tennessee. Just one exit west of the Bellevue exit in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you guys so much. God bless.